Hello and welcome to the Bonco Podcast. I'm your host, Baz O'Neill, and I'm here today with Joanna Morn. So, Joanna, how are you today? I am great, Barry. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Good stuff. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, so, we'll just get straight into it. Joanna, if you'll give us a quick introduction about yourself, uh, your background, bits and pieces like that. We'll get okay, started. Okay, sure. Well, listen, thank you very much for giving me a shout and um, no asking me on here. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Um, so my name is Joanna Morn. I am from around here, just down the road from yourself. Um, Crossbourne native, just outside Clare Morris. Um, I went to school in Clare Morris um, to Mount Saint Michael, and I suppose in school I was um, quite a studious kind of girl. I absolutely loved reading. So mm. when I finished school, I knew that I wanted to study English in college. Mm. So I used to do a lot of writing as well, essay writing, this kind of thing. So. I knew that the, the degree was going to be all about that. So I went to university in Galway and I did English and archaeology because I had a big interest in, in history, especially ancient history. So I um, completed three years there, which was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I'd still be an avid reader and um, I have so many different books on my bedside table, I suppose, mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, so when I came out of college, I, I remember like going to my archaeology lecture because I had this dream that I was going to be out digging in some mm. kind of, you know, foreign place, like digging up some dinosaur bones. Yeah, 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 anyway, yeah. went to my college lecture and he was just like, Joanna, in Ireland, you're going to be either sitting in an office doing yeah. archaeology or you're going to be out on small little tiny digs in and around the, right. the towns and the cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is that the life that you wanted? And um, I did a little dig once and I just realised I'm not a person that likes to be outside getting wet. Right. So I was just like, that no, is now yeah. the end of my archaeology career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, basically I gave up <laughs> gave up on that side of things. And for a little while after college I did um, some sub-teaching. So I started into secondary school teaching and I found that I did actually love teaching but that I didn't really feel I had anything to teach the students. Because mm. I didn't believe that, in, even for me, the, the teachers that influenced me when I was in school weren't the people who read from the books and right. who just said, now read this chapter and then come in the next day yeah, and then yeah, you're yeah. going to do this and then you have to sit this for your tests and exams. Yeah. It was the people who kind of put down the book and actually looked at us straight in the face and then actually discussed the topic or got right. us to kind of think for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I suppose at that stage, by the time I'd finished college, I was... Um, about 20 actually I'd finished quite young and I just felt I didn't have any life experience mm. so anyway I just decided there's no way I'm going to go into secondary school teaching I'm too, too close in age as well I mean I was teaching mm. Leaving Cert at one stage know, in Coleman's yeah. College and I was just like oh my god what have yeah. I got it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. for a very brief stint um, but it was quite fun I mean it, it um, got me to know a few of the locals I suppose that were in there and you were 20 when you were I was teaching, very yeah. young yeah I was, I was 20 yeah so um, I finished school when I was 17 and I'd started college so I suppose one time I was 20 I had, I had mm. um, finished college um, and that time, I mean, it was very easy to get into sub-teaching. Yeah. So, like, you didn't have to go in and do a H-tip. You could just basically say, like, I have a degree and, you know, I'll go in and teach anything. So I was yeah, left yeah. stuck teaching classes in, like, religion and maths. Oh, I was good yeah. at maths anyway, so maths was easy. But religion and all these other things, I was just like, what have I got to say? I don't know yeah. what to say. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> so anyway, I kind of quickly gave up that and decided I was going to move to Galway. Um, where I, I had lived in Galway, I suppose, before, obviously, with the teaching, but I'd come back to Mayo to subbing, went back to Galway, and just by chance, I got a job in a little shop that was selling candles and aromatherapy mm. products. And that mm. shop is still there to this day, the candle shop in Galway. Where is it's it? It's a small place called Healing Earth. It's in the um, shopping centre, 
I'm sure lots of people listening now would know it. It's in the Corbett Court Shopping Centre downstairs. I know it. I know Do you know it? it? Yeah. yeah. So there's a lovely Cross and lady. Pennies. Yeah, across, across, no, not across and pennies, down below pennies, across from New Look. Yes, I yeah. do know it. I know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so you know yeah, it there. So it's yeah. gorgeous. So there's two two ladies that have that. One lady, Mary Queenie, she's a, a wonderful therapist herself. She does mm. like uh, spiritual healing and angel therapy and all of this stuff. So anyway, Mary obviously took a shine to me <clears throat> and must have seen something in me and she was just like, you're the perfect person to come and work in this shop. Mm. So there she had this incredible array of books. And of course, me being a reader, I just went through these books on like self-healing and transformation and you know angel therapy and healing and mind body healing and I read I mean I was just like I hardly did any work got yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like reading the books all the time and of course yeah. it was a new word for me because I had never heard about any of this stuff like mm. being a Mayo it wasn't kind of talked about at the time um, and I suppose she was a good bit older than me and she had already studied like angel therapy she'd already done Reiki which is kind of a Japanese mm. form of healing she'd done energy work and all these other things and I suppose that was kind of my introduction and I kind of felt a grow for it. You know, I just yeah. thought this is fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I am a kind of a person I have to watch myself because I am a person who can be a perpetual student. Like right. I could just study and study and study forever and never do anything about it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I can't just like read all these books and just like not actually. You're the complete opposite to me. So. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> You're a doer. I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. a thinker. <laughs> well, I, I don't read much at all. Oh, wow. No, yeah. I listen, oh. I read through my ears. Oh, yeah. I've only started that. I'm getting into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you were saying to me earlier that you listen to so many podcasts. and like Yeah, podcasts and audiobooks. That's what I've started. Oh, and it's only books. the last, let's say, seven or eight months I started getting into them. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've actually never listened to an audiobook. But I have, mm. like, so I would be, like, honest to God, if you saw my bedside locker now, you'd be shocked. There must serious, be about yeah. 12 books that I'd be going through at the same time. Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. I was in my leaving cert, myself and my best friend, um, her name was Nahid, and in our Leinster year, as a joke, people were given an award, mm. right? So we were sitting, it wasn't told to me what award mm. I was going to be getting beforehand. But yeah, anyway, yeah. we're sitting in the in the big area where all the girls have come together and it's all the presentation by the mm. principal and all this stuff anyway. And it was just like, and the award for um, readers of the year goes to Joanna yeah. Boren. Yeah. <laughs> so we get up and we get this award, like an a actual... An actual like, <laughs> certificate yeah, as yeah. like the best readers in the school you know Jeez, like yeah, for the, you know, it was a total joke right? I know, yeah, yeah. but it was just so funny and I suppose that kind of I hadn't even noticed what a reader I was until it was kind of highlighted to me like right. you were obsessed with this clearly yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're going to just make a joke out of it now at this right. stage um, so anyway so I end up in the candy shop reading all these books and um so I was kind of chatting to Mary a lot and kind of about her experiences and I kind of wasn't sure if I go the, the line of the angel therapy and all this stuff because she seemed to have a bit of a gift for it. And what is that? Oh, it's about, okay, there's a very famous author in case anybody's interested in reading it, um, Doreen Virtue. Mm. So she's a lady, um, she's in the States, she comes to Ireland from time to time actually, but she's a lady who has really kind of promoted through her writing um, her ability and what she believes is anybody's ability to be communicating with angels, mm. right? So she's called the angel lady, she's the lady who has brought out these beautiful angel cards that you might see like everywhere you go. If you go to a lot of holistic centres or you go to like anywhere where people are doing kind of healing work or more spiritual work, you often see a bunch of cards on the table, mm. right? With like oracle cards or angel cards. So this lady was the lady who yeah, yeah, started yeah. this, Very right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and her stuff is published by a very interesting publishing company called Hay House. 
and they have a lot of audiobooks actually, but they're the ones who would be the world leaders, we'll say, in printing and getting out to the world, these kind of metaphysical books. Mm. So if you were writing a book on yoga, one of the top publishers you want to approach is Hay House because they their reader base would be all people like me who would be yeah, devouring yeah. I know what you're saying. You yeah, know, yeah, these yeah. kind of books and be interested in something that's yeah. kind of a little bit more. It wouldn't be it'd be fiction it might be fiction, but usually it's something to do with what the person's right. you know, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. the person they have to share. Um so Mary was into all of that. <clears throat> I thought it was fascinating reading. But I guess I didn't know what direction to take until I saw a little poster up somewhere in Evergreen, which is the big health shop in Galway. There was mm. a tiny one that time on Shop Street. Yeah. And there was a little poster up and it said, six-week aromatherapy and massage course. Mm. And I, I remember going home to my apartment to my friends and I was like, do you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to do this course in massage therapy. And mm. they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go out there now to Salt Hill. So I remember I got on my bike and I remember it was winter time, of course, and these courses would be on. Cycle to the rain, anyway, end up in this little place in Salt Hill. And I remember walking in and the first thing <clears throat> I remember was the smell of the place. Mm. You know, the smell was just absolutely amazing. And this lady had all these essential Incense, oils. What is it? Oh no, the essential oils, because oh, right. it was aromatherapy. Oh sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lovely lady called Bernadette Loud. Um, and she's a wonderful lady who has since passed away, but she actually started the big holistic course that now runs in the GTI in Galway. Mm. So if you have any listeners that want to get into beauty therapy, this is a very good one to do. So they cover right. like massage therapy, beauty therapy, and then reflexology and all of that. Yeah, yeah. But she was the director of it. She kind of wrote the course and got it recognized by the Department of Education. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, she didn't do this at this time. Like when I met her, I didn't know who she was, right. you know, except that she was a brilliant teacher. So we just sat around a table. There was me and probably eight other women. And she just kind of explained to us all about essential oils and what essential oils were for and the benefits of different essential oils. And sure, I couldn't believe the benefits of all these oils. Mm. You know, they're saying this oil is antispasmodic and it helps with muscle tension and it relieves pain. And I was like, what? Mm. How on earth does it do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, so she kind of explained, you know, more and more about that to yeah. us. And you know that oils could be calming for the mind. Of course, I'd never heard either. Um, calming for the mind and just uplifting for the spirit. Mm. Um, so every week she had us making different kind of potions. Like we had to buy a small kit and then we had to start mixing the oils and then mm. coming back to the group and explaining why we chose this okay, certain yeah, oil yeah, and yeah, what yeah. it was good for. And then we started to learn the back massage. So it was just learning the back massage in six weeks. Mm. And I mean, it was so much crack. You know, of course, none of us had done any kind of back massage before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was loads and loads of fun. And she just went over the basic techniques so you know it was very quick it was only six weeks but anyway she just encouraged us like look at if you if you feel you have any kind of uh, you know attraction towards this try and work on your friends or just offer people a massage if they want it yeah so of course you've any amount to take us if you're like do you want a back massage oh, or would you like yeah. a head massage <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to say like no <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I suppose I just started putting it to use, you know, and like, meanwhile, I was working in the, the candle shop. Um, so this was going on for a while. I suppose at this stage, I was 21. Was it even 21? I can't remember. I can't even remember all the dates in my mind now. Uh, but I was still quite young, I suppose. And uh, anyway, I was saying to a friend of mine, you know, a friend of mine said to me, I had a really good Australian friend. And, you know, she was kind of a bit older than me and she was really into kind of like the body work and all yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like she was Australian. She was really hip and cool. Right, and, you yeah, know, yeah, I was yeah. just like totally like never been anywhere kind of Irish girl. Yeah, yeah. 
And she was just like, you're really good at this. She was like, your hands are just absolutely amazing. Like, mm. you, you're so, it's so relaxing. She was on the course with no, you? Actually, no, she was just a friend of mine. Okay. So, so I was giving it to all my friends. Like, yeah, very yeah, yeah. short. Now, I didn't have a massage table or anything. Like, it was oh, know, kind yeah, of down yeah. on the floor or sit on the chair or, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have, like, a uniform and nothing was kind of, like, overly it was professional. Practice. It was just practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, she never, never shut up to me saying that this was great and it was just so nice and it was, it, I was really good at it. And she was like, you should definitely do a massage course. So anyway, lo and behold, by the following September, I had kind of um, signed up for this body massage course, which was a full-time, you know, or not full-time, sorry, part-time <coughs> um, course to get qualified with okay. iTech, who are the main bodies, we'll say, that the International Therapy examination council yeah. so like most people you would see like if they're advertising themselves or they're working in a beauty therapy clinic yeah. or yeah. massage clinic they would 99 percent of people in europe would be qualified by itech okay so it's a really good examining body they're very good standards they set the standard basically um so there was a little old place in galway called the body and soul center and there was a wonderful lady who ran that it's all gone now you know she i think moved back to Kerry years mm. later um but anyway, so I did my course there with her and I was kind of halfway through it. And then, I don't know, you know, sometimes things happen to you for a reason, yeah. right? And out of nowhere, I was introduced through a friend to this amazing lady <clears throat> who lived in Mullingar. And she was a transformational coach, right. say, right? transformational coach and healer. And her name was Fiona Arrigo. And would you believe I opened the paper the other day, last Sunday, mm. and she's in the 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 Sunday Independent and they were saying top 10 retreats in the world to go to and she is number one so her program is doing yeah. really really well it's called the Arrigo program and she just won an award last year um, for Condé Nast for number one retreat in the UK now she, her retreat is very much focused on transformation anyway I don't know how it happened but I ended up meeting Fiona we got on very well. I was very interested in the kind of work she was doing because mm. um, it was just all to do with family systems and it was very kind of deep uh, psychotherapeutic work. And What's I transformation from... Transformation. So, for example, if you were exhausted, stressed, okay, kind right, of in, right, a, right. in a state in your life that you were just feeling stuck or static okay. or stale or you're not able to move forward or you're just completely overwhelmed, yeah. <clears throat> usually people will present with kind of... They'd have physical problems, obviously, as a result of this. So, right. just quickly to tell you what, what she was doing at the time. She was living in Mullingar. I was introduced to her through a friend. Um, she asked me to give her a body massage and she was like... That body massage is amazing. I want you to come and work for me on my 10-day retreats, mm. which I had never heard of. Where are the retreats? In Mullingar? These were in Mullingar. Yeah. Like in beautiful Mullingar, which I didn't know. And if anybody hasn't been to County Westmead, yeah, it yeah. is the hidden gem of Ireland. <laughs> Jesus, you have like rolling fields, lush yeah, green yeah. fields like we don't have. It's kind of horse country. Yeah. So there was loads of stud farms and everything. So she was actually living on a stud farm um, at the time. Um, and actually in that part of the country there must have been a big English influence because there was a lot of very big old stately houses so she used to run her 10 day retreats which would be totally individual retreats that time so okay. it wasn't like you come in a group it's like you would ring up and you'd be like look at man I am just like dying here like I can't cope in my life yeah. I am like at my wits end I need to I need change yeah. you know so she would obviously know the people in advance they would be talking to, she, she used to do Skype calls she used to do a lot of one to one consultations we used to go to London before they'd be accepted every into month. the retreats oh yeah because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very serious now interview process yeah, yeah well yeah. not kind of like what could she do for them and yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. kind of thing would happen on the retreat yeah. 
and she's still doing these now to this day. This is, but it's taken to like a, a huge other level. Yeah. Um, which she's is just amazing. She's going to bring amazing. it out of Mullingar. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, she's in London now. <laughs> oh, she's in London. Oh, she's in London oh, now. Yeah. yeah, she does London. She does India. She does Spain. Oh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, she's yeah. English herself. Right. Um. So she had come over to Ireland, living um for a while. Her she had a little daughter with her, and she just wanted to come back. She had roots in Ireland actually, so she's coming back to her roots, kind of around that area, mm. and she just loved it for having her daughter kind of growing up when she was very small like yeah, yeah. before the age of five in Ireland she just thought it was the best possible place for her as mm. opposed to London yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she already had I suppose a lot of clients in England and right. a lot of people were working with her on the phone yeah. um, so anyway I ended up being the massage therapist for this so what it was was I used to do a massage on the person every day for 10 days this mm. is how great it was right 10 mm. days massage um, I'd be given a guideline by Fiona what was going on with the person and that I'd be given certain things like this is what we want for this person so yeah. that's what we're looking for um, we used to work with we had an acupuncturist <clears throat> on it we had an energy healer we had kinesiology which is about kind of releasing issues in the tissues okay. this is a big part of it then they would have daily yoga so they might have yoga in the morning and yoga in the evening yeah. and it would be totally tailored to them so there'd be a yoga teacher full time yeah. you know working on it um, and she's still doing this like I said abroad so you could always like check yeah, in yeah. with her very good <laughs> Um, and then they would have daily sessions with Fiona and this would be the crux of it. Like the right. whole thing would be, would be centered around this kind of deep psychological work yeah, that would yeah, be done yeah, with yeah, Fiona. Yeah. And I mean, she's a trained psychotherapist now. So mm. you're talking about kind of more advanced psychotherapy and that she is just a phenomenal type of person. Like you just have to meet her and you know, you're in the presence of somebody. Right. You know, that kind of way. Like she has a very big presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up working for Fiona for a couple of years and this is how I kind of developed my massage practice is through meeting a lot of other therapists that were working with her. Okay. And um, then we used to go back and forth to London all the time. And I was kind of her assistant at these workshops she used to do. Good so stuff, we yeah. might have 10 people sitting around in somewhere in London, some place. Mm. And she would do workshops based on family systems, right? Which would be to do with kind of, she would have topics like shame in the family or, um, you know, hidden pain in the family or whatever. I mean, they were kind of complicated. I didn't, I didn't know anything about them at the time, but they were all to do with psychology. Yeah. Um, and I would kind of assist her through these weekend workshops. And then we'd go back to Ireland. We'd do a 10-day retreat. And then we'd go back to London, do another workshop, yeah, back yeah, to Ireland, yeah. do another 10-day retreat. And it went on yourself. like that. Yeah, so it was really crazy. Like, it got too much for me kind of in the end. After two and a half years, I think I was there. Yeah. Um, I just kind of felt I needed... I needed a bit of a holiday, I suppose. Right. Um, and I had one client who come over from England and I was working with her for the 10 days and just out of nowhere, she just said to me, I was doing something on her. And I mean, I would, I would be a person that would very much work intuitively. Like okay. now, probably I more work with the system. But that time, I was just kind of a lot going with the flow. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The so anyway, for this lady, I don't know why, but I was doing loads of stretching right. on the bed. Yeah. And I was, you know, moving her legs and I was doing pressures and I was doing all this stuff. Anyway, the treatment was over and she went, oh my God, I never knew you were trained in Thai massage. And I was like, hmm. Thai massage, I've never heard of Thai massage. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, on yeah. earth is Thai massage? And she was like, it's, it's exactly what you're doing. Except like normally the person is on the, on the floor. So right. you have like a mattress on the floor. Anyway, so she put it into my head that I should go to Thailand and I should study Thai massage. There we go. And I was like, what? This is just amazing. Like, this hmm. is a great idea. Hmm. So anyway... I had said to my my employer anyway, Fiona, I was look, I'm thinking of going to Thailand, you know, to do yeah. Thai massage. And at the time, like around about that same time, I had I had started, I suppose that kind of year, I'd started to really get into meditation. Okay. 
So I was, I had done kind of different forms of meditation. So I had probably started off doing meditation when I was 20. I suppose around about the same time that I realized I wasn't going to go into teaching. I was like, I'm going to go into something else. Mm. So initially I started off like, we all did that time, right? It was like you started off with a book, at least I did. Mm. So I bought this mm. amazing book and I would really recommend if you haven't read it or anybody wants to read it, yeah. it is by this Tibetan master called Sagyal Rinpoche and it's called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, right? And this is a profoundly, what can I say? This is a profoundly spiritual and insightful text. So he is a man who's grown up in Tibet, obviously. He's gone through the lineage, which is the way they develop their yeah. teachers and trainers there. Um, gone through the lineage, and he is a person, I suppose, who has uh, put Tibetan Buddhism on the on the map in the West. So he has a very unique way of being able to communicate. You know, they, they mm. often say the teachers are the best because they can make everything this complicated simple. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, he yeah, has yeah. a very simple way of getting things across. Okay. Now, the book is very detailed. It's a it's a good, thick book, so you'd mm. want to be well able to sit down and read like mm. this book. Like, As I say, and it wouldn't. Is, it, is it unaudible, is it? <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> it's well worth listening to. It's yeah, I mean, yeah, but the yeah. copy I have now is so like underlined, it's like gas. Really, yeah. Uh, but I suppose he introduced me to concepts I'd never um, thought about before and, you know, you know, talked about the mind and the nature of the mind, like the mm. mind being something that just rambles off and takes us to places and we totally come out of where yeah, we are yeah. and we're living in the past and we're going into the future and we're not living in the present. And, you know, it's all very good and well reading it, right? Mm. And he, he was talking then a little bit about Tibetan Buddhist practices and he gave a couple of guidelines. So I just remember sitting in, in my, <laughs> little, my little room and going with this book open and he was like, if you want to have a candle on, you know, you can have a candle on. And I put this little candle in the middle mm. of the room and I just like, he was like, sit cross-legged. And of course, I didn't yeah. have any meditation stool or anything at that stage. So I yeah. just sat down and I was just kind of waiting, you know, yeah. waiting for like something to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, like it's hard, right? It's yeah. really hard because like, I don't understand what they mean by calm the mind. I didn't understand what he meant by like, you know, yeah. tune into yourself. I was yeah, just yeah, like, what? Yeah. No, no, what no, is he no, talking no. about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I struggled on on my own for a while. I wasn't kind of telling anybody that I was doing this. And I, I kind of tried like every evening to do this meditation. Um, anyway, then it's I... It's hard to get into. It's hard. It takes time. It can be hard. It's yeah. definitely practice. Mm. Um, but there's certain things you can do to kind of get yourself into a, into a state where you are able to meditate, right? So anyway, I ended up having a boyfriend at that time who was really into this other kind of meditation, which he had kind of invited me to come along. And it was a meditation group. And it was led by a teacher. Mm. <clears throat> it's called Heartfulness now. It had a different name then, but you yeah. can, that's also, you can read about it online. Um, but it's a heart-centered meditation. And it's a guru-centered meditation. So okay. it's a Raja Yoga, right? So Raja Yoga is about using somebody who is already a realized master to help you, mm. like, on the way. And to me, that made a lot of sense. In that, like, I don't know. I'm kind of lost. Yeah, I don't yeah, know anything. Yeah. And if I can look to a guru or look to a teacher who Some has guidance. already walked the walk, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I might, be, I might get somewhere with this. Um, so anyway, basically, I just started joining the group. It was called Sage Mark at that time. I said, now they're called Heartfulness. Um, but that was where I was like, whoa, this is, you know, there's kind of something to this. Mm. And I just loved the people I was meditating with. There was a great kind of mix of people from yeah. old to you. I was probably the youngest one there, myself and my boyfriend. And then there was all the way up to like 70s. Um, so they were very inspirational. We used to hang out. We used to do the class for like an hour and then we'd go and have tea for an hour, like mm. somewhere, Sunday morning and go yeah, on yeah, Wednesday yeah. evening. So it yeah, was just yeah, great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, good. 
Anyway, that went on for a good few months and I kind of thought I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. You know, right. I didn't feel I was still kind of, I felt like mm -hmm. I was more serious, you know. I felt like I am definitely a person who kind of, I'm quite an intense person, I suppose, in my own way. And I felt that in order for me to break through into a place, because I still felt that then without sitting down in the group, it was hard for me to meditate, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, that's not what I need. I actually need to be totally independently able to meditate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, then uh, I had another friend at the time, and he had just come back from this 10-day Vipassana course. Have you heard of Vipassana? No. Yeah, so this is really, really something. This is something I would say every single soul on the earth should do, a 10-day Vipassana. So V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A. And the website is called www.dhamma.org. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I decided this is a, this is a long old story now. I hope it's not. <laughs> oh, we have time, Joanna. We, we have, have time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, he convinced myself and a couple of the the girls who were interested. And mm. I remember, there was about four of us anyway packed up, two guys and two girls, and mm. we decided we were going to go and do it. And he was like, "It's so difficult." It's like 16 hours a day, man. You hardly eat, yeah. you know, this and that, the other. But you come at the end of it and you are literally changed. And where is this? And this is in Ireland. You'd have to look where they are now. Okay. We don't have a, a centre in Ireland, but they have... I've done three of them since now, but um, I don't know. In Ireland, they don't have their own centre. I think they're trying to get money to build it. They might, might have changed. Um, yeah, I check it out. But different parts of the world. If you wanted to go somewhere really beautiful, you could pop over to England, where they have yeah, like yeah. a big centre. Right. And I did one in the centre in Thailand later, and I found the centre, being in the centre, really helpful. Right. As opposed yeah, yeah. to kind of being in a place that wasn't really set up for it, which they did the best to make it as it yeah, was. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. take away from the course. Like yeah. it definitely doesn't, because it's not about the location. It's not about your comfort or anything. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's about the, the the quality of the teaching. Okay. So, but if you did want it, I did find it was easier. When I went to a place that was beautifully set up for yeah, it, you know what I mean, it's yeah. just the kind of you know yourself like even the setting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, we we headed up to the north. I think it was that time, and um, we went on this ten day vipassana, which basically you go in, you give up all your possessions, right? Mm. So you can't have your phone. I don't even think we had mobile phones that time. So that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, yeah. But you basically are not contactable. Um, you can't bring any of your own food. You can't bring anything to write. You can't have anything with you, like in okay. the room, because they are not going to be allowing you to be fiddling off and, you know, deciding to yourself, you're going to start writing, you're going to start going for a snooze. Or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very specific kind of layout for each day. Like you, you kind of get up at four o'clock in the morning, you have to meditate for two hours in mm. silence. Then you have a breakfast that, or then you have, I think, yeah, breakfast. And then you have, come back, you have a little bit of teaching and then you go through your day in kind of two hour slots, mm. like two hours of sitting. And then the first day, of course, everybody has no idea what to do with. Hmm. They're just sitting there going, what the hell, this is such a bad idea, man, this is really hard. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, these days I think you're okay to sit in a chair, but that time it was just like you had to sit on the pillow. Right. You had to sit in the cushion. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you had any pain, got out yet. Now, I was looking that at it. It gets uncomfortable off quick. It does, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm, talk I'm talking like 16 hours of sitting nowadays, oh, yeah, right? Geez. So it's really, really hard going. Yeah. But this is what I think is the reason that the mind gets broken down, hmm. is because you have to stop resisting this discomfort mm. and uh, this is one of the fundamental kind of teachings of Vipassana is that you know we're, we we react to every single thing that annoys us or makes us uncomfortable or you know yeah. irritates us and yeah. we flash back you know we either say something verbally or we think something mentally or we give out or we feel something 
So the whole basis of this meditation is that no matter what you are hearing, seeing, feeling, that mm. you just remain equanimous is the word they use. Equanimous. Equanimous, right? Never heard that word before, so equanimity. Okay. So the teacher would say that equanimity is purity. And that if you can hold yourself in a place in which you are really still, yeah. that all of the, you know, you, you hear about this thing like where the mind is totally still, it's like there's not a ripple on the water, mm. right? Mm. So that like, even if there is a storm, right? And there's a storm going on and you feel like you're in a boat and you're going to sink. Mm. And that could be the storm of your mind or the storm of your yeah, emotions yeah, yeah, or yeah. your current situation or somebody's driving you cracked or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. that you don't just go up and down with the waves and start thrashing around the place and start yeah, yeah. hurting people and hurting yourself and all this stuff. That no matter what is going on, you hold to this kind of... Equanimity. Equanimity. Right? And peacefulness inside. Yeah, um, and of course, it's very easy again to read about that, right? Or hear about it. But this mm. course was about you experiencing it. And that is what is the key to Vipassana meditation, right? Yeah, it's the yeah. experiential kind yeah. of side of it. So, anyway, by the fourth day, lo and behold, having had the <laughs> training, by the fourth day, and I can tell anybody this, it feels like going on Vipassana. Yeah, yeah. By the time you get to day four, you have really come somewhere, you know, right. and you have actually started to understand what it means to meditate. And to hold that kind of steady, does it get place. enjoyable? Um, it does kind or of towards the, the end. Like say you know? now, if I was going back now and I was doing a fourth one, mm. probably I'd enjoy it for the very first second. Right. Like yeah, from the yeah, second, yeah. I know, I know, you know all about it. I know what's going on. Yeah. I kind of understand yeah. what I have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the better you get at it, the more introspective you are. The less yeah. you'll be thinking about what's that fella doing over there. Yeah, yeah. Look at that fella sitting so still and quiet, and here I am, my leg is hurting me, and this yeah, and that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's <laughs> always saying, like the teacher's yeah. always saying, like during the particular two hour sits he would like do not open your eyes and look around right yeah yeah and like i remember the first time you know i'd be looking at all these other people mm. and they would be like sitting like a mountain mm. and you'd be like they're sitting like a mountain they must be so spiritual they must be like so peaceful so quiet and yeah. then you talk yeah. to that person at the end of it they'd be like i was dying like i, I was just like battling but you cannot you won't see it because you know truly don't we all know that the battle is internal yeah yeah so basically, I did find through Vipassana that you kind of fight, you kind of understand your internal demons, you know, if we're using that word. Mm. And through the end of it, what you come out at the end of it is you definitely mm -hmm. feel an incredible sense of kind of achievement and joy. And hands down, since the day I did that, I think I was 21 when I did that. And I can honestly tell you, if you said to me now, mm. sit down there and meditate for an mm. hour, I would do it. And yeah. I would have a proper meditation. It wouldn't be like... I'd be sitting not thinking about anything. You know, people think meditation is just like total eradication of thoughts, yeah, right? which yeah, you yeah. probably know from your yoga, it's not, right? You just have to be still and yeah. let, let the things arise, you know? So the kind of watching and of the arising and passing away was an amazing part of the pastime. Anyway, um, my story was going to Thailand. So I had gotten into this Vipassana meditation hmm. and I was kind of re... So then, of course, I, I go straight to the books and okay. I'm like... What is it about Thailand then? I want to find out about time massage. I want to find out about um, Buddhism, which which was Vipassana, Buddhism in Thailand. Mm. So the Tibetan Buddhism, which I had previously looked into, I kind of felt was too complicated for me. And it's really amazing. I have friends, dear friends, you know, who'll be, who'll be real Tibetan Buddhists. And, you know, it's just the most beautiful, beautiful kind of path, I suppose. Mm. But I felt more drawn to what was going on in Vipassana than kind of Thailand. And Vipassana would be very much originated in kind of India and Thailand and that Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, whilst I was looking into where I could study Thai massage, which I discovered was in the north, 
I came across a book in Charlie Burns Bookshop and it said the forest monasteries of Thailand. And like, there's no internet, right, man? I had no internet mm, at home. Mm, I think we had a Commodore computer. Yeah, yeah, Commodore 64. <laughs> Something like we're playing games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they might have had another one, but I was definitely terrified of it. Like, I remember we had computer classes in school. Yeah. And I remember myself and friends were just like, why the hell do we want to pay attention <laughs> to this? Like, who's going to sit in front of that thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we uh, so I had no idea how to use the internet um, and said there was definitely internet because one of my friends had gone on to study computers in college, um, but I didn't know anything about it. And um, so I got this book, The Forest Monasteries of Thailand, and it was just a very small book. I think I still have it. I don't even know where it came from. Again, it was like one of those things that just came into my life. And anyway, I started reading about these monks who lived in the forest in different beautiful parts of Thailand. Yeah. And I just thought, God, wouldn't it be amazing if I could go to Thailand and if I could find a place like this? Mm. So um, how did I end up just booking the ticket? I think I had told my employer, right, Fiona Riga, that I was going to move on and I wanted to do Thai massage meditation. Had you went and booked for I hadn't, Thai I'm, massage course I over hadn't, this time? No, 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 right. no, because I didn't have any way to communicate with him unless I was oh, going to send a letter, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and I yeah, wasn't yeah. going to bother sending a letter. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think I had found out through somebody that was able to use the internet or yeah. somebody had told me that the courses or some sheet of paper I'd found somewhere, yeah. I don't even know how, but <laughs> somehow I realised they were running a couple of courses a year and there was one particular place, which is the Old Medicine Hospital in Chiang Mai. And if anybody wants to study time massage, that's the best place in my my humble opinion now. Yeah. I think that's okay. a really good place. So that was in the north. So anyway, I booked my ticket to use it in Galway. I remember in the old days when you used to go to the travel agents. Yeah. Um, got my ticket booked and I didn't buy a return flight because I wasn't sure how long I was going to go for. So I went over, initially went um, to one of the islands and just had about a month where I was just kind of going around. Had lots of different time massages because mm, mm. I never knew anything about time massages. So yeah. I went and got loads of time massages. Like mean, every yeah, day yeah. nearly I was getting time massages. And I was yeah. like, Jesus, this is amazing. Some people are better than others. And then I realized, oh, not all therapists are the same. You know, right, some yeah, therapists yeah, work yeah. in a certain kind of way. Other therapists work in a different way. Mm. So then I kind of started to understand a bit more about that. Anyway, next thing you know, it's January kind of 2002, I suppose. Or maybe 2001. And I was up in the north of Thailand. And I joined this two-week massage course at the Old Medicine Hospital. Mm. And it was absolutely amazing. Met loads of really cool people. And one of the coolest people that I met was this guy from England called Simon. And he had come from Japan, where he'd been living with his girlfriend for years. And they had come to Thailand to meditate. Mm. And I don't know how, out of the group of like 100 people that mm. were doing this course, mm. that we somehow were very drawn to talk to each other. I remember mm. on the last day, because we were all studying it so hard during the week. Yeah, we weren't yeah, yeah. really chit-chatting much. And I didn't even notice this guy. <clears throat> Anyway, the last day, I remember, came out and he was talking about something to somebody else. And I was like, oh, do you do meditation? Mm. And he was like, yeah, I do. And anyway, we just very suddenly knew that we both were really into this Vipassana meditation. Mm. And he said, look, I'm staying with my girlfriend in this, in this accommodation. I don't know where you're staying, but if you want to come and kind of get a room where we are, mm. we can hang out and we can yeah, kind of yeah, talk yeah. about this. Because he told me very quickly that he had been going out to a monastery. And I said, look, I really would like to go somewhere and I don't know where to go. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Personal recommendation. So anyway, I met up with him and his girlfriend and they were just amazing, amazing people that kind of changed my life. You know, those kind of people right, that meet yeah, yeah. every so often. Um, but he was the one then that led me to um, this beautiful temple, which was outside Chiang Mai in Thailand. 
And um, one of the reasons that I went to this particular temple is that his girlfriend had been there several times and she was like, it's very safe for women. Mm. You know, okay, because yeah. it's not just male monks. You have a segregated area where there's male monks on one side and the female right. nuns on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Thailand that time anyway, there was a lot of talk about women getting attacked. Right. You know, it's still the same way all over the world. But, you know, I was kind of a little bit, I'd be very much a risk taker. Like I would consider myself 100% an adventurer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I decided to take the risk and just go out to this place. And I just ended up in this incredibly beautiful um, forest monastery with a guy, the teacher who was there. He didn't speak any English, but he got in a translator for me. Okay. And I just had a kind of an amazing experience there. You know, yeah, it was yeah. a very, very beautiful place, a very beautiful location. And I just spent a lot of time kind of meditating, mm. I suppose. And they were very kind to me. Like, I remember the first day that I turned up at the gate and it was like something out of some dream or something. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I walk up, I get, you know, f finally get out to the place, which takes me, like, a couple of hours. Yeah. And it was a little bit hair-raising and I was a little bit frightened. Yeah, yeah, But anyway, I get into this little village and they pointing the direction to me, where is this monastery? Mm. So I walk up this hill and next thing I'm at this gate, like something out of a magical <clears throat> movie mm. or a magical mm. fairy tale. There's this beautiful, beautiful elaborate gate and there's all these trees coming out the side and I remember the sun was setting so there's mm. all this kind of it was just so beautiful and I was mm, kind of yeah, yeah. taking a breath or taken away by it did you put on your Insta stories did you? no <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing you I don't know, have yeah. anything there's, there's no sharing no you only have I have photos I, yeah, yeah. I have photos yeah I think I have one photo of that place because I suppose I was a person as well that when I was in a more spiritual place I never used to record anything mm. you know I yeah, used to kind of yeah, take yeah. a lot of pictures of me doing the time massage and all this kind of stuff yeah, and all the yeah, crap yeah. we used to have but when I used to go there I just didn't feel it was appropriate for me know, going around photographing yeah, because yeah, it was yeah. a very serious kind of a place which is where I wanted to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember kind of shaking the gate and thinking how the hell am I going to get in here and I said to Simon what will I do when I get there and he was like just ask him can you stay there oh you went up there on your own I went to my own okay, yeah. yeah so anyway this monk comes out to the front he doesn't speak any English but he mm. got the gist of I want to come in right, right? so he <laughs> lets me in I walk into this absolutely beautiful place with a, with a big circular green grass in the middle and then a beautiful kind of forest all around it and mm. different kotis, which were kind of the Thai houses, like wooden houses. Mm. And anyway, eventually they get somebody that can speak English to me and I think it was a nun and she explained to me that the, the teacher, or Achan was his name, that he was on retreat for three months in his house, which was at the end of the beautiful green mm. kind of area. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, damn it. <laughs> you know, what a shame. Mm. Um, but she said, you're very welcome to stay for the night. And then you can decide, you know, we can think about it more tomorrow. Mm. But she said, normally he meets everybody, but he's on retreat at the moment. And I was just like, and I was like, what does that mean? She was like, he's going to be in silence, doesn't talk to anybody for three months. He yeah, does yeah, this every yeah. year and he gets his food served to him and he basically doesn't go to sleep. He sits and meditates for right. three months straight. Right. So he's a real, real meditator. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a real yeah. master. So anyway, I get given this beautiful um, koti, which was an, an old wooden house, um, set in the forest along with the nuns, like absolutely beautiful, so magical. That's I might even yeah, I yeah. might have a picture of that now if I can find it. Yeah. Um, and there was a wooden bed, no mattress, right, no blanket, nothing, just right. tiny little single wooden bed, little table and chairs, little mm. toilet, mm -hmm. and then this very beautiful very old basic stuff, kind yeah. of yeah kind of place, which is kind of a long. You know, I was in the time of in my life thinking mm. that that spirituality was associated with kind of um, having very little, you know, mm. having very little possessions, whereas I just totally and utterly don't 
see anything like that now anymore. I don't believe yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. But so I was kind of you know excited by the fact that I was going to have to sleep in a wooden bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to have to be in this kind of situation. Um, but anyway, the next day or the next evening, I remember they had kind of agreed I could stay for a few days and they knew that I was able to do my own meditation practice because they were saying we don't do teaching here. Mm. You know, we just have people who are able to meditate and you can come and join us for the okay, group yeah. sittings. Yeah, yeah. So they had an incredibly beautiful cave, um, which was dug into the side of the mountain and they had put this enormous Buddha in it and <clears throat> they had meditations going on there. You could meditate there anytime, but they mm. had kind of group meditations with everybody who lived in there retreat yeah. um, there like a couple of times a day and through the night right. so you could get up at 2 o'clock in the morning if you were feeling it and yeah, you could yeah. walk through the forest and you could go into the cave which and was a huge open cave in the resort yeah well it was all Thai it the no no, no it was everyone just, it was a temple temple okay yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. a temple um, Wat Tom so they're called Wats actually now that I think about it they're called Wats in Thailand so it was a, it was a, Wat Tom Doi Thon was the name of it um, so yeah, it was a temple. Everybody who was there was a monk, except mm. me, <laughs> you know. So it wasn't like people were coming up there for, like I said, you know, learning as such, except to oh, be able right. to do their own practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose when I had found out about that from from Simon, my friend, I knew that was right for me because I had already done so much for past. I'd done two at that stage. Right, I was yeah, very yeah. established in my own meditation. I had read enough books, right? I was yeah, just like, yeah. it's just time to actually live it now. Um, and then you got your food and everything. Kind How of come they let you thing. in? I don't if know. If there was no one else in there, if everyone else was a No, monk. but people could come. Or you could come if you, you wanted. You could come. Yeah, yeah. But there was no advertising for it. Like, yeah, and Simon yeah. had come. And I don't know how on earth he'd found it. Like, right. he must have found it through word of mouth. Yeah, and yeah. I did mention his name. Like, I did mention okay. his name when I came. And after coming back there many times, which I did, I used to come on different kind of 10-day stints yeah, and yeah. go back. I met... Uh, I w once met a university professor from Thailand she spoke fluent English so she okay. kind of told me a lot about the place yeah, yeah. that the guy was a highly revered master and she couldn't believe I'd even found the place and how on earth did you hear about it really, yeah. and she was just like so many people don't know about this and then I realised on Sundays people would come from all over Thailand like mm. different very wealthy people would fly yeah, yeah, into yeah. Chiang Mai come out to this guy offer the place so much kind of gifts and stuff mm. for a blessing from this yeah, master yeah, yeah. because he was really recognised I suppose in what he, what he was yeah. which was somebody who was realised and did you have to I pay for this no 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 no, no no there's no money give no no. no I did make a contribution when I finished and yeah, I was yeah. leaving Thailand I gave a contribution Okay. and I felt I really needed I really wanted to I know do what you that mean. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. and I must say later on I suppose I realised that probably I could have been contributing all the time as I was there because it probably would have been helpful for them because mm. I didn't realize they were doing a lot of good work because I didn't have anybody speaking English 90% of the time. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really know what they were doing in the community. But mm. it turns out that he was doing a lot of work within the local community and that the monks and nuns were often going down into the villages and giving food and this kind of thing. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have yeah. seen anything of that. Yeah, they would have toddled off and done it quietly. So yeah, there was no kind yeah. of you know big ha-ha about anything. It was all very quiet. Mm. Um, but anyway, the, first, the second evening or something that I arrived... Uh, out of nowhere, somebody came to my door and knocked and said that the master would like to meet you. Hmm. And I was like, Jesus, what? Hmm. Anyway, I came up. He's taking a break from sitting to go and meet you. A break. No, he wasn't taking a break. I went right into <laughs> oh, where he right. was still sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember it was nighttime and there was kind of the, you know, the moonlight coming into this beautiful, beautiful Thai home that he was living in. And it was so simple, like there was nothing in it. You mm. know, there was no furniture. It was just like a big space, kind yeah, of like yeah. a meditation space. And he was sitting at the end of it. Yeah. And he was sitting on a wooden thing. And anyway, he had a translator beside him. 
that they had got up from the village or something. Mm. And anyway, I just, they were, what do I do? And they were like, just kneel down there. Mm. And just, he might ask you a question. Mm. So he didn't move. All I can remember is that he never moved a muscle, mm. like when he was talking to me. He never stirred, only that he spoke. And mm. he spoke really softly. Mm. And he was like, you know, who are you? Where are you from? And what are you doing here? Mm. And what, would you, what do you want to do here? And I was just like, I would love to come and spend time here because I think you have an incredible spiritual presence in this monastery I've been recommended. And I told him a little bit about my background in terms of meditation. And then he was like, you're very welcome to stay here. That was it. And then I never saw him again for months and months after that. So he was in his his thing. Um, What sort of an age? He was probably no more than 50. Maybe less than 50. Like 40-something, yeah. And now he looked young. Now mm. they, I remember Simon came back to me at one stage and he was like, have you ever noticed how young he looks? And I was just like, he does look incredibly mm. young, but he was mm. like, he's not that young. We didn't know what age he was. Yeah, you know, yeah. the kind of way. He was yeah, kind of ageless. Yeah. Right. And I can imagine that somebody who is that kind of a person would kind of look ageless and he kind of did. Yeah. Except that he looked incredibly kind okay. and incredibly sweet. And later on, then as time went on, like I spent overall about 10 months in Thailand, of which you know, nine months were kind of spent up around here, going mm. back and forth, doing time massage, doing the meditation. Um, so as time went on, you know, when I used to go back there, I used to meet one or two foreigners, like maybe one, every time I went back, I met one foreigner, mm. like somebody coming from different places. Yeah, back to the same place yeah. a few times, did you? Oh, I only went to this one place. Yeah, so yeah, I kind yeah. of lived around that area then. Like oh, I just right. kind of stayed in Chiang Mai and got one out. I did go to another forest monastery, which yeah. was even more of a forest monastery, we'll say. Um, but it was a totally different place. We were very focused on chanting and singing, which was beautiful. Mm. But I didn't have time to actually wait there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess it kind of changed my life, yeah. And it kind of brought meditation into my life for a long time. And I, I left Thailand and came back and, you know, started practicing Thai massage. Mm. Did a lot of Thai massage to the point that I hurt my hands. Mm. Gave up massage completely for a year. Really bad carpal tunnel. Right. So I am a living, breathing example of somebody who can completely one hundred percent recover from carpal yeah. tunnel. Like yeah, my yeah, nerves yeah. were dead in my hands. Sure. I could hardly lift I couldn't even lift a cup. Like yeah, I could hardly yeah. even open my hand or shut my hand. Sure. So I had lots and lots of different therapies to anyway to fix it up, but it um yeah, I totally got healed up and I kind of didn't know where I was going after that. I'd been on this huge kind of healing journey. Yeah. And I wasn't sure where to go with therapies, knowing that I was a body worker and mm. knowing that I had this passion for helping other people. And again, you know, what comes, what is for you, you know, won't pass you by. Mm. And all of a sudden in Goa at that time, for the first time, there was going to be a big spa opening mm. in um, the G Hotel, which was just being built. Mm. And I remember, I don't know who, I think it was a friend of mine, a friend of mine who was a beautician, gave me a shout and she said, John, I've just applied for this job and it just sounds amazing. They're going to give us like six months training in all these spa therapies mm. and then we're going to work in this five-star hotel. And I was yeah, just yeah. like, wow, that sounds like incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I applied for the job and I got the job. <clears throat> And I joined the pre-opening team of the G Hotel in Goy, which is yeah. still thriving. Um, a beautiful kind of spa. spa. Have you ever been there? I wasn't. Jimma was up there, I think. Yeah. I don't know, mother or sister now, but yeah, she said it was lovely. Really yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's very beautiful. If you haven't been there now, they have an amazing kind of Japanese garden at the top. They have right, this yeah, kind yeah. of vitality pool that's like 40-something degrees. It's really, really hot. They yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. the really nice kind of spa 
things that you would look for, like heated mm. beds and like heated tepidariums and the in the pool rock sauna and steam room. Anyway, that was how I got into the spa industry. Mm. As mm. I came from all this kind of healing journey, um, and I said coming back from Thailand and eventually kind of hurting my hands, but in too much Thai massage. So I completely gave up Thai massage. Right. And I went into this thinking, how am I going to manage back to full time body work? But yeah, I just had yeah, a feeling yeah. it was going to happen for me. And the hand was back to normal, out. was it? It wasn't completely back to normal at that time. Yeah. Because um, I had to do a lot of different treatments. Um, like I had a lot of massage on my arms. I did this incredible thing called Traeger, that is kind of a Russian device that actually re-stimulates and reconnects the nerve tissue. Okay. So there's no, I don't think there's anybody practicing it now in Ireland, but through Fiona Rigo, Right. Um, who I would still have been in contact with, still in contact with her now. Yeah, yeah. She was the one that put me on to her friend who did it in England. Okay. So I had a few sessions of that, and I honestly believe that was the thing that got the nerves back because they were dead. Yeah, yeah. So it's very difficult to regenerate nerve tissue. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah. little device is like a, it looks like a mobile phone, mm. and you basically put it along the nerve pathway. So, like, say my pain was coming from my back of my shoulder blade. Mm. And it was leading, a lot of carpal tunnel is to do with like neck and, and upper back, shoulder problems, right? You know, leading down to the nerves all along the hands and eventually the compression of this median nerve in the wrist. <clears throat> so um, this particular device is just incredible in that it works to re-stimulate, like a bring back to life, literally bring back to life. Like know? shockwaves, is there? No, no, not like shockwaves. I don't know. I can't even think. It's so long since I've even looked into it now. I mean, it's, it was, I haven't even thought about it since then. Right. It was many, many years ago now. Um, I will look into it actually and see if there's anybody doing it around, but it is amazing um, for regeneration. Right. So I had a few sessions of that, and then I had a lot of massage by a lot of friends. I had a lot of massage therapist friends at that time that did a lot of work on me. Yeah. Um, but they completely, I just got completely fixed up. So by the time we had done the six months training in the G and we opened the spa, I was totally and utterly. Ready to, yeah, Ready yeah. to go. Ready to go. And at that stage, I had learned, then we'd done Ayurvedic treatments there. I had studied hot stones. I had started my beauty therapy qualification. I was doing facials. And that kind of was where it all kind of really took yeah, off for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, after that was, um, what year was that? About 2002, 2004, if I remember that. Are you a few years in the G, now. right? I was about two years in the G. And... Um, I suppose that time I had been a long time ago away as well, mm. back and forth. And I didn't feel there was a lot of way for me to progress within the G because we were all kind of at the same level. There was no such thing as a head therapist, senior therapist. And okay. I, I'm definitely a person in my work life who's extremely ambitious. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I knew, like, I want to get ahead and I want to learn and I want to grow. Yeah. And yeah. from going through the training, I had a kind of a deep desire, I suppose, to eventually be a trainer. Um, so anyway, all this stuff was going around in my head. And the next thing out of nowhere, I get a call from one of my best friends from home, Marie Leonard, who's probably going to listen to this podcast mm. at some stage. Um, so a lot of the people might know Marie. She had Churning Oak in town yeah, yeah, for a long Marie. time. Yeah, yeah. So Marie called me up and she was like, look at Joe, there's an opportunity to take over Churning Oak in town from a lovely lady who had it, Donna Flatley, had it for years. And I'd love you to come in Churning Oak with me. Will we do it together? And I was just like, yes. I'll mm. never forget the night she rang me. Yeah. And we were both so excited. And she was like, will you leave Goy and move to Mayo? And yeah. like, will we do this? And I was like, yes, do it. Yeah. You know? So Good. I gave my notice at the G. Um, and then we made our plan for our treatment um, set up and everything in Chernanog. And Marie did a lot of work there with her husband as well. And we, we kind of rejuvenated the place. I suppose Donna had kind of left. 
and we kind of wanted to make it our own so we just gave it a bit of a, a jig up I mean now the, the premises of Cheerleading Oak has changed right. right like so now it's kind of moved more into the town like that time yeah, yeah, it yeah. was um, beside Gilligan's pub I know yeah, so yeah, it know. was at the back yeah, of the square yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were very very happy there I mean it was an amazing kind of experience and I suppose that was my first experience of being the boss Right. And kind of that the book was stopping with me, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't about like if somebody's not happy, oh, let's call the manager. It was yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. I am the manager. If people are not happy, <laughs> yeah. they're going to say it to you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a big learning curve for both of us. Um, and I suppose I would have focused a lot on the body massage part of it. And Marie was amazing at the time and trained me a lot in the waxing and all the beauty stuff. Because okay. she was qualified in that for a while before me. So I suppose we ran that place together and it was just an amazing kind of experience like to go then from spa incredibly big time into beauty. Mm. So it was very much a beauty salon. Right, so we yeah, were yeah. just booked out with waxing, waxing, waxing. I used to have days massage, and you days. Do massage, do a massage somewhat. Like yeah. I was probably 40% of the time doing massage and then we had like maybe 30% of the time facials yeah. and then the rest was all kind of beauty yeah, between yeah, the yeah. two of us there was an awful lot of the beauty stuff you know which was all yeah, kind of waxing yeah, yeah. and oh, it was just the two of you in there at the oh, time just the two of us, yeah. Yeah. yeah but we did employ we had two lovely girls who worked with us kind of part-time as well so i suppose we started off with ourselves and very quickly we realized there wasn't enough you know there was wasn't enough between the two of us to, to go ahead so we mm. just had to get in somebody else so we had somebody there and uh, what time did I go into Churning Oak? I suppose it was around 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then by 2008, the downturn was coming in the market. Hmm. I had kind of been training, uh, doing my teacher training. Yeah, Because yeah, I yeah. had, my long-term career I knew wasn't going to be in spa. Right, I knew, yeah, and Marie yeah. knew that as well. Like I was always like... I'll do this, but I want to go and live abroad and I want to have yeah, a life yeah, like that's yeah. abroad and I would love to be a trainer. So I started that off. Anyway, we kind of looked around, I suppose, at the, the economy at the time and what was going on. And we had a wonderful financial advisor and we kind of sat down with him with everything. And it was just before the big bad bust happened. Mm, and mm. he was like, girls, this is going, we're going to come into a couple of seriously tough years here mm. now. Like businesses are going to shut around this town, which yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I'm going to tell you that one of you will survive here. And I would highly recommend that one of you, if you can do anything else, yeah, yeah. because you're not going to be able to survive, right. you know, having a, having a healthy business with the two of you, giving you the money that you want and yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. So I kind of said, my father, I remember, died around the same time. Yeah. And I kind of thought, you know what, I need to take a bit of time off, you know, because okay. I had been living at home and helping my mom and was there with my father and my grandmother as well. And I just kind of felt that I was coming to the end of a period of my life, yeah. you know, with things change, you know, you, you lose a parent and all of a sudden you have to kind of reassess your life and you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. think about where you're going, what are you doing? Yeah. So, um, anyway, my father, I remember died in April and around about that time afterwards, I said to Marie, look at, I'll probably finish up around August, mm. you know, if you're happy to continue on. And initially she was like, no way you continue on. Yeah. You should be the one to take it. And I was like, look, I just don't have the energy for it at the right. moment. You know, I'm just okay. kind of tired. Yeah, and I, I just yeah, feel yeah. like I need a break. And she was settled down, you know, around this area with her husband and children. So I just felt anyway, it's definitely, it, you know, it'd be better if you could, if you could keep the banner up and keep it open. This was very important for us that we would keep it open. So um, anyway, we did. And Marie went on from strength to strength. And I went on to have a big career, I suppose, then after that in the spa industry. I moved to England, mm. worked as a UK and international training manager for ESPA and mm. ended up moving to India, lived in India for yeah, yeah. three years, which was a huge, big part of my life. We yeah. had to do another 
podcast on the India yeah, India story. <laughs> I could listen to your story all day, but we have we've run than, out of time. Less than five minutes less of recording five minutes. time here. Okay. So yeah, tell us. Uh, so what am I doing us, now? Yeah. You can tell us about a bit, a bit of your time in India. Yeah. Give us a, if you want to brief. Okay. So story I suppose we'll I I finished. Get onto your own stuff at the moment. Yeah, then. Is that sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, finished up in Chernobyl took a year out, lived at home with my mother, um, kind of reassessed myself and completed my course in the mm. training. So got a diploma in, in, the, tra- in the teaching training. Yeah. Um, applied for a job at Espa, who was my dream company to work for, okay. got the job and moved to England. All of it, this all happened very quickly. Yeah, yeah, applied yeah. for the job, got the job and was gone to England by right. the time my father had been gone for a year. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. This, in this year, so much had happened. Yeah. Um, so moved to England, I remember in the April, and just had this incredible life in England, which where I was mentored to death is all I can say. Like I have mm-hmm. never been yeah. around so many amazing people. Like a lot of mentoring in terms of the treatment. Yeah, so yeah. my my I upped my game by a thousand percent in terms right. of what I was capable of doing for treatments and how focused I was and how therapeutic things were going to be and how to connect with the client. And they developed this in me like very intensely for six months. And then I traveled the world for two and a half years yeah. with them. Got tired of traveling in the end. Told them I wanted to either stay based in the head office yeah. or I was going to have to do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, So there was nothing available in the head office at the time. And my boss said, look, at this company that we, you, know, we, you have worked very closely with out in India, mm. I know for a fact if they heard you were leaving, they'd be offering you a job. And mm. I was like, there's no beckon way I yeah, want to move yeah, to yeah, India. Yeah. Why would I move to India? It's like filthy and it's just so hard <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah, so yeah. much poverty and it's really tough and it's really hot. Mm. And they were like, okay, it's all that, but you've mm. also seen the five-star world and you know there's this incredible spa industry out there. And, yeah, yeah. you know, my boss in Espa was really keen that they just let me, they were like, just let us give them your yeah. CV and just we know that they're going to offer you something. Right. So the next thing you know, I get a call from India and they're like, Joanna, look at any capacity you want to come. Mm. It was just the most lovely interview I ever had, which was basically yeah, yeah. not an interview. <laughs> They're like, anything you want to do for us, we'd be so happy to have you. Mm. You know, we'll accommodate you, we'll give you the expat package, you know, we've seen you out of your training, we love your work. Mm. And I had said to myself, I want to go into operations. No, I want to be a spa director, I want to be in charge of everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were like, Yeah, you can do that, but you're a really amazing trainer. So mm. anyway, you'd be the corporate head of training right yeah, yeah. and initially I was like no I don't know don't want to do it and anyway they wore me down convinced me brought me over showed me everything mm. said, this is where you're going to live this is the life you're going to have these are the people you're going to work with please say yes and mm. then I was mm. like ah fuck it yeah, <laughs> yes. as dirty as it is I'm on the way <laughs> you're easily yeah, late <laughs> easily late yeah. yeah so I ended up in Bombay for two years which was absolutely like incredible like I could have a, a 10 podcast just about life in Bombay which is really really interesting and yeah, I learned yeah. a lot and how long were you there? I was in Bombay for two years in Mumbai okay, for two yeah. years and yeah. then I um, went on to a much much bigger company then in my last year in India yeah, yeah. Um, and I went to Delhi um, but then I got really involved in operations, which wasn't really what I had kind of signed up for. Mm. I had kind of progressed into the training more and more. I suppose I had advanced a lot, even when I was living in India. Okay. And yeah, eventually, I suppose after three years there, I kind of felt again, I kind of definitely go through this phase in my life where I just need a break. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So I just kind of said, I need a break. I need to come back. I need to reassess. And that is and perfect that is for the last minute home. to tell us what you're at now. <laughs> so now I have a spa room that I yeah. run for my home in Crosspoint, Claremore, just outside town. 
and I offer a combination of different massage therapies like aromatherapy massage, yeah. Swedish, um, hot stone massage therapy. I do a little bit of Ayurvedic treatment. I work with Marma Point Therapy, which is a very Indian um, energy point therapy. Yeah. Um, I do skincare, I do beauty, I do facials, um, and I do reflexology. Yeah, that's why so I wanted I to have you on the podcast for a chat. Just <laughs> from being up with uh, reflexology, we were doing. Oh for yeah, a while. reflexology. Just when you mentioned the monks that time, really that yeah. just caught my attention. Like I said, I'd yeah. love to go living with monks, and my two kids were there at the time. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe that was just because they were running riot. I wanted to get out and go living with monks, but you told me I was living with monks. And I said, "Jeez, where are you?" So I wanted to get more on that story, really. Like, you know, yeah, so, great. Yeah, oh, stuff. what a pleasure! So it's the spa room. Yeah, the spa room. Crossbone in Clamoris. Crossbone in Clamoris. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. I think on Facebook I'm called the Spa Room Clamoris. Yeah. Right? So you can check it out. Um, also on Instagram as well, but probably I'm more a little bit more visible on Good stuff. Facebook. Five seconds. Joanna, All thank right. you very thank much. Thank you, Barry. Good Welcome. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a million.